Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Crossroads. Welcome to our online community for the first time. Isn't that cool? So great to have you guys to the those sitting in the overflow room. My name's Chad. For those of you who don't know me, it's such an honor and a privilege to be with you today. I'm excited about what God is, is not only doing in our lives individually, corporately, but I'm excited about what he's saying to us today on Resurrection Sunday. So if you want to follow along with us today, you can get your Bibles inside your worship guide. There's some sermon notes. Or if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you can go to the events section, and the sermon notes will also be available on your phone there for you to pull out. So let's pull those out, whatever you use to open the Bible. Let's open up to John chapter 19. Yeah. Like we, just, we just holler because we like the Bible, because we're excited about Jesus. So don't be scared. Hey, but we are looking forward. Today, the title of the message is called, It Is Finished, and I'm beginning, it's the finished, but I'm beginning a series called, It Is Finished. So you want to come back and join us as we talk about the, the fullness of what we're going to, what happens when Jesus said it is finished. And, but today, I'm going to talk about the importance of being a great finisher in life. What does it mean to be a great finisher? There's few things like the, the feeling in our life, the feeling of satisfaction, Whenever you start something and, and you see it through to completion, you know, you got that job well done, you, whether it's a project around the house, a project at work, or, or maybe it's a, a homework assignment or a book you set out to read. There's something like that feeling when you get done with something and, and you, you get finished, you look back and you're like, wow, that feels good. Something about finishing something, finishing cleaning up that garage, finishing cleaning out that closet, fin- finishing that honeydew list that you've been putting off, whatever it is. But I, I know I don't, can't speak for you, but there have been a time or two in my life where I have been guilty of procrastinating. <laughs> procrastinating is when we put off for later something that we should be doing now. And I was going to tell you that I never procrastinate, but I decided I would do that later. So... We'll, <laughs> So it takes a second. That's a time joke to catch it. So procrastinating is something we do, but why do we put things off? If we know we're supposed to do something and we know we should do something, why do we wait? Why do we not finish? I was reading a couple of articles about it, and I found six things that, that I think might be, uh, be applicable in our lives. Here's, here's a few things. See if these work for you, some things that maybe you've put off for these reasons Number one is skill deficiency. You just don't know how. You're, you're not aware of how to do it. You don't have the knowledge for it. The knowledge or the skill set is not there. Just because you don't know how to do something, I want to encourage you, don't let lack of knowledge or lack of skill be a permanent obstacle in your life. We can learn new things. You know what keeps us from progressing in life is when we accept where we are and we fail to work harder to learn something new and grow. We need to always be growing. So don't put it off just because you don't know how. Just start figuring it out. Now you can YouTube everything. If you don't know how to do anything, man, it's on YouTube. You can figure it out in just a few minutes. So there's that. Then your second thing could be a lack of interest. Why do I put it off? I really just don't care. I really don't care about cleaning my room, so I'm just going to put it off. Your lack of interest, you're not, you're not that interested, not your favorite thing to do. Another thing that could be an issue with our procrastination could be a lack of motivation. You know, you, you, you just got to get yourself motivated to do it. You know you're supposed to. But lack of motivation, I've found in my own life, happens when I lose sight of the goal. 
I lose sight of the why. The why is what motivates you to keep going. So when we lose sight of the why, our motivation wanes, and that's why we can put something off. So make sure you're keeping the why in the front part of your thinking. The next thing that would cause us to do this sometimes is just a fear of failure. Sometimes we're just afraid to make a mistake. We don't want to do something. Why do we not engage? Because we don't want to screw up. Nobody wants to be a screw-up. Nobody wants to fall flat on their face. So they say, you know what, I'm just not going to do that because what if I do it and I fail? So the fear of failure makes us put things off sometimes. But the flip side of that's also true. Sometimes we put things off because of the fear of success. We're like, wait a minute, no, no, no. If I do a great job, then they're just going to expect more out of me. The expectations are going to go up. You know, if I send her a card today, she's going to want it all the time. If I do this, if I rub his back today, he's going to think i got to rub his back every day. You know, just the fear of success. I'm going to put it off. (laughs) But it's a real deal in some people's lives. They want to live a life with low expectations. And they have, been, they have been fed this lie that, you know what, just keep expectations low and you'll never disappoint. They think that's a way to live. But I'm just here to tell you the only one you're truly going to disappoint is yourself. When you keep your expectations low for yourself, you're going to be the one that's disappointed. What does it matter what other people think? It matters what drives you on the inside. So don't put things off because you're afraid of of success. Just keep going after it. Be successful. God has equipped you for every level of success. Don't worry about, well, what will happen if I do good here at this level? Will I be able to go to the next level? We'll just be good at this level first and let God show us about the next level. We're worried about being good where we are or where we're going to be, and we aren't even good where we are. So fear of success could be a part of it. And then the last one, sometimes just plain old why we put it off, just resistance or rebellion. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Any parents want to say a strong amen right now? It happens, you know, whatever. Sometimes people refuse to do something just because they were told to. So they'll put it off and they won't finish something because somebody else wants them to do it. So we have all these reasons why we have trouble finishing. So I want to encourage you. Today we're going to talk about what it takes to be a great finisher. I'm going to give you three easy steps to being a great finisher. They're so easy, all three of them start with E. So they're going to be easy to remember. Three easy steps. The first step to being a great finisher is you have to have an entry. An entry. Entry is about two things. The first thing about an entry is you have to know your goal. You have to know your purpose. You have to know your cause. You have to know what you're set out to do. Whether your purpose or your goal is cleaning out the garage or your purpose or goal is changing the world, you need to know your goal before you start. Why do you need to know your goal? Because if you don't know your goal, how many has ever done this? That you found yourself trying to finish something that you really never should have started in the first place. (laughs) I could go all day right there. I'm working on all this stuff, spinning all these plates, and God's like, I didn't ask you to do that, 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 that. So we got to know what our goal is so that we won't spend all of our energy and time trying to finish things that we shouldn't even started. We have to know our goal. Then the second part about knowing your goal, once you know your goal, then you got to just flat out get started. 
You got to get up and go for it. You got to you got to make the jump. If we're going to be great finishers, we got to be great jumpers. Great finishers have to start somewhere. The reason some people don't ever finish is because they never start. And they don't start because they're waiting for the perfect environment. I just want everything to be perfect before I get started. Good luck with that. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be the ideal scenario. At some point, you have to see the goal, you have to see the prize, and you have to jump. What happens if I fail? What happens if you don't? What happens if I mess up? What happens if you succeed? we got to flip it around in our heads. So we got to have the entry point. Then after the entry point, that's the exciting part. We get started. Okay, we get motivated. Because sometimes it takes a great deal of determination and initiative just to get started. It's like cranking those old engines. It's like, okay, I'll get started. <laughs> but once we get started, I mean, that's not the end. The second E is endurance. If you're going to be a great finisher, you've got to have some endurance in your life. Endurance is where we overcome the difficulty and the opposition. So you've got a goal, you've got a target, you've got a purpose, you've got a cause. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm going after. And then all of a sudden, adversity comes in, opposition comes in, difficulty comes in, and it makes it hard. We're not going to be able to accomplish anything in life unless we can have some endurance. We're not going to be able to finish what we need to finish in life if we don't have some endurance in our life. This is what God is telling us through this process. If we're going to be great finishers, we have to have this step. In our walk, in our race, in our, in our journey, what we're trying to do, it's not about everything going, like, going well all the time. How many knows that living for God is not all roses and parades? It's, it's great to start something, but... Sometimes people start and then it gets hard. I don't know how many times I've heard people say to me, Chad, I want to live for God. I really do, but it's just hard. I'm like, I know. I know. You're not telling me anything I don't know. But you've got some endurance in you. There's something in you that will push you through the heart. So that's just the second step. Then the third step we'll talk about is the ending. So we got our entry, we got endurance, and then we got the ending the ending is this, that we do not quit or give up until we are finished. We see the prize, we see the goal, and we finish what we started. We don't back up, we don't quit, we don't get tired. We've got to end it. You've got to go for the ending. So we're going to talk about being a great finisher. What does the Bible say about being a great finisher? The Bible has a lot to say about being a great finisher. And today I'm going to talk about the ultimate finisher, Jesus himself. So if you found John chapter 19... That's my introduction just to get you where we're going. John chapter 19, we're going to be great finishers today. I believe God's got some great finishers listening today. Look at verse 17. It says, and he bearing his cross, talking about Jesus, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him. And two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. How many knows if your life's going to be successful, Jesus needs to be in the center? He's got to be in the center of what's going on in our life. He's not on peripheral. He's not on the outside. He's not in a distant box. He's not in a Sunday box. He's not in a religion box. He needs to be the center of our life. Now, Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And here's what the writing was. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin so everybody could read it. 
Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, I am the king of the Jews. In other words, we don't call him the king of the Jews. He called himself the king of the Jews. So don't put that on the sign. Here was Pilate's response. Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. In other words, shut up and deal with it. That's new version. The 23. 23, then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments made four parts to each soldier apart. There were four executioners. Also the tunic. The tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. Now I'm not a, a, a seamstress or anybody like that, but, but that is pretty impressive. You can have a whole garment woven from the top without a seam in it. That's what Jesus wore around. He, he, had, some, he had good enough clothing that people were gambling for it. He was decked out. That could have been Armani. So anyway... So they said, 24, so they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. Verse 25, now there they stood by the cross, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, it's talking about John, the gospel of John that we're reading now, the, the disciple John. When he saw the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now we're talking about being a great finisher, and we said that being a great finisher required the three steps of entry, endurance, and ending. So let's see how Jesus fulfilled those three things. What can we learn from Jesus as being a great finisher? So the first one, you have to know your goal. You have to have an entry point. What was Jesus's entry point? What was his goal? What was his purpose? From the very beginning, Jesus's goal, cause, and purpose was you. His whole purpose for coming to this earth was us. That was his goal. That was his why. That was his purpose. He knew that from the very beginning. In Galatians chapter 4 of your Bible, it says this, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. So what was his goal? His goal from the very beginning was to redeem us from sin and death, to pay the price for you and I. That's why he came. That was his entry point. He was on a mission. He was on a mission from God. He came for a mission. He came for one purpose, and he kept that in the forefront of his thinking because John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but can have Eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So here's his mission. Here's his why. Here's his entry point. God sent Jesus in the world so that he could die for us and whoever believes in him might be saved. Now listen, some people will say this. Hey, 
Don't condemn me. Don't judge me. It's true what the scripture says, that there is no condemnation in Jesus. But it is also true that there is no salvation without him. He didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through Jesus, might be saved. So this was his mission. This is what he came for. He was on a search and rescue mission. Search and rescue mission. The Bible says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come for the religious people. He didn't come for everybody that had their life all together, that had no problems, had no issues, had no, made no mistakes. He didn't come for them. He came to seek and save those who were lost. He came for me. He came for you. That was his mission. That was his entry point. He knew his goal from the very beginning. He knew why he was here. And this is why we have to know our goal. If we're going to be great finishers like Jesus, then we have to know our why. We got to know why we get up every day. We got to know our cause. We got to know our purpose. We got to know why am I going to work? Why, what am I supposed to, what's my cause as a parent? What's my cause as a student? What's my cause in, in this life? What am I doing? We have to know our goal. We're never going to finish if we don't know what we're shooting for. If we don't know our target, we're, going to ne- we're never going to know if we hit it or not. We're going to shoot every day at random things. We just, if we just wake up every day and go, ah, we'll just see what happens. We're taking a risk of wasting time in our life because we don't know our goal. you got to know what you're going for. It doesn't mean you're going to know every detail of every year of your life. I wish that would happen. But you got to make the most of today and take advantage of it. This is the entry point. This is what Jesus did. He had a goal. He had a purpose. It was a, a mission from God. Now the second step, the second E is endurance. Now, did Jesus have any opposition? Did he ever have to go through any difficulty in his goal and assignment? Luke Luke chapter 22 talks about this. Before Jesus was crucified, he's in the garden of Gethsemane, and he starts to pray. And he prays like this. He says, Father, if it be your will, if take this cup from me, please do. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, translation. Father, if there's any other way we can go about this redemption as sons and daughters deal, I'm down with that. If you got any other plans other than this whole whip and crucifix deal, I'd love to hear it. I think he was being honest before his father. He's like, hey, God, I really don't want to get beat half to death and hang naked on a cross until I die. That's really not my thing. But not what I will, but what you will. Because look what he says in the next verse. I love this about Jesus. He said, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Notice the angel came to strengthen Jesus after Jesus yielded his will to God's will. What does that tell me? If When you think you can't make it, when you think you can't do it, if you will just yield and give in to God and trust him, his strength will come. But as long as I'm trying to do it myself and do it on my own energy and my own abilities, his strength can't come. In my weakness, his strength is made perfect. But this is what happens. See? So when Jesus yielded his will, said, I can't do it, but I trust you, all of a sudden the angels came and strengthened him. And look what the next thing he says. Love this part. He says, and being in agony, 
He prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. See, when our relationship with God, this endurance step, it's not about trying to avoid agony. It's what we do in agony that makes us great finishers. Notice what it says. In agony, what did he do? In pain, in frustration, did he say, God, Father, zap me out of here. I'm done. Come on, take me out of here. Now, get me out. Come on, beat me up, Scotty. Do something. Get me out of here. He could have said that. He could have said, hey, this is too hard. Get out. In agony, he prayed more earnestly. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. When he was in agony, he pushed in closer. I just want to help somebody. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in the overflow room, wherever you are. Maybe you're in a season where you're in agony. I want to encourage you. Press into God even more. Don't run away from him. Don't hide. Dig in even closer. Dig in even more like an Alabama tick. Get in there. Go after it. Roll Tide, War Eagle, whoever you're for. But I'm telling you, Jesus had to deal with endurance. If Jesus, the Son of God, had to deal with endurance, I'm going to have to deal with endurance. So when I'm in agony, he says, come on, Chad, press in. Pray more earnestly. Pray more earnestly. I will send you all the strength you need. When agony comes, when pain comes, when discomfort comes, I will be there with you. Don't give up. Don't quit on me. Christians, we need some endurance in our life. Too many times Christians want to avoid all the agony. It's not about avoiding agony. It's what we do in the agony that makes us great finishers. So this is what happened. So Jesus was in that. He had to walk through that. Hebrews 12, 2 even says this about Jesus. It says that we look unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, the endurance step. He wanted you as his son or daughter, but he could not get you without the cross. He endured what he didn't like to get the prize. Is anybody thankful that he endured the cross for you so that we could have a relationship with God? I am so thankful that because of him, because of him being willing to endure, he got the prize. A lot of times we don't get the prize because we're not willing to endure. We quit too soon. We quit before we're finished. We quit before God is finished. We got to have the endurance step. This is what Jesus had. We got to make sure and overcome the difficulty. The only way we overcome in the endurance step is we focus on the goal more than we focus on the opposition. We got to focus on the prize more than we focus on what's happening. Paul said this in Acts 20, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. God's not promising me that I will never have difficulty or problems in my life. He just says, don't let those things move you. Don't let it move you off of what you're supposed to do. Have some endurance in your life. Stay focused. The endurance step is key. Let's look at the third one. So we got entry. We know our goal. We get started. We jump forward. Now we have the endurance. We're going to overcome opposition. We're going to overcome difficulty. We're going to keep going. The third one is the ending step. Did Jesus, what did he do for the ending? John 4, 34 says this. Jesus said to them, my food is to do, to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
Jesus was saying, my food, my fuel, what strengthens me, what keeps me going is that I'm going to finish his work. What's going to keep you going when you want to quit? you got to see the ending. you got to see the finish line. Just like any good runner, or, or you got to see that finish line, and you're just like, hey, I see it. It's in sight. I'm going to keep going until I cross it. This is what happened with Jesus. He said, listen, I came to finish what God sent me to do. He says this in verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. That word finish means to bring an activity to a successful finish, to complete, to end, to accomplish, to set out for a goal. Notice what he said. He said, it is finished, and then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I like this, that Jesus didn't give up anything until it was finished. When it was finished, then he yielded himself, surrendered his spirit. And so this is what we have. We cannot give up until we're finished. Well, I'm tired. I get you. I feel you. But I'm, 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 I'm wore out. This has been going on too long. I can't do it anymore. I get you. I feel you. I've been there. We just have to keep going. When do, when do I get to quit? When we're finished? Well, I want to quit now. I know. Jesus did too. But Jesus said, nevertheless, not what I want. But what you want, Father, there's going to be times in our race that we're going to have to say, it's not about me, it's not about what I want, it's about what God wants, and I'm going to keep going until I finish. If you want to be a great finisher, you've got to see the end. I'll give you a story to illustrate that. In 1968, before my time, <laughs> the Olympics in Mexico, the marathon was the last event. And in the marathon, you'd run 26.2 miles, you know, and, and they would run all over. And then they would come into the stadium for the last lap or so. And so since it's the last event, the stadium is packed out with people as the, la the first runner comes in, makes his lap, and he finishes the race. Everybody's excited. But the real story wasn't there. Way back in the pack, there was a guy by the name of John Stephen Aquari. And John Stephen, somewhere along the 19-mile marker, fell. His head was throbbing. His muscles were aching. He fell, dislocated his knee. The, the event people tried to get him to drop out of the race. But he bandaged up his knee and got up and started going again and hobbled his way for the next seven miles walking some, jogging some. He enters the stadium over an hour after the race was over. The stadium that was packed out is mostly gone. As John limps his way all the way around the track, it wasn't enough for him to get into the stadium. He went around the track. Nobody would have blamed him. He's hurt. He's injured. But he hobbles around, and he makes it across the finish line and collapses. A reporter asks him, John, why, did, why didn't you drop out of the race? And John looked at the reporter and said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start a race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. God didn't come into your life to start a relationship. He came into your life to finish a relationship. He didn't come into your life to start good things. He came into your life to finish good things. He's not just the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. 
It's not something that we just started. We've got to have, if we're going to be great finishers, we've got to have that endurance that John had, that no matter what comes our way, we are going to finish the race that is set before us. We've got to be finishers if we're going to end it. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul said in Timothy that I have run the good race, I have finished my race, I've, I've, I've fought the good fight, I've finished my race, I've finished my race. So my question to you today is have you finished your race or did you just start it? If we're going to be great finishers, we're going to have to see the ending. I'm going to give you one more illustration, a video I want you to check out. I'm going to give you a tip on the heads up on the video. This is from the Olympics in 1992. You may have remembered this. A guy by the name of Derek Redman was in the 400 meters. And Derek was going around, came around the first turn, into the back stretch, going down the straightaway, and all of a sudden, bam, pulls up, grabs his hamstring, goes to the ground. Squats down there on the track. You'll see it just in a moment. And all that moment, all the officials come out to him, hey, you need to get off the track, you're, you're injured, you quit. And something happens. I watched the interview about it. He talks about it, how in that moment he came to his senses. He realized where he was. He said, I'm in the Olympics. I've trained my whole life for this moment. I will not stay where I am. I will finish. He gets up and he hobbles his way around. He comes to the next turn, and all of a sudden you see a guy coming out of the crowd, fighting through officials, trying to hold him back, and he comes up behind the runner and puts his hand on the runner, and the runner starts to throw his hand off, not knowing who it was, and he turned and looks, and it was his dad. His dad had come out of the stands and put his arm around his son and put his son's arm around him, and they walked the rest of the way to finish the race. He started a race. During the race, he had some pain, some challenges, but he wanted to finish. Go ahead and roll the clip. I want you to check this out.
powerful expression. Powerful expression. Notice in the end, he told his dad, you don't see it on the video, but it saw in the interview later. He said, Dad, hey, get over in my lane. I've got to finish in my lane. That video could be my life. Could be your life. Start well. Things are going great. No problems. The guy was actually winning. He was in the lead. But then something happens. Bam. You're running well. You're doing great in life. Things are going smooth. And all of a sudden, bam, out of nowhere, tragedy hits you. Disappointment hits you. Pain hits you. Agony hits you. In that moment, what are we going to do? It's not a matter of if it's going to happen, but it's when it's going to happen. If you think you're going to get live a life without disappointment, you're, you're mistaken. You're trying to fool yourself. It's going to happen. I'm not trying to speak condemnation on you, but I'm just telling you, it's a reality of life. There's going to be times where pain's going to hit us in our race with life. But it's not about it's not about trying to avoid the pain. It's about what we do in that pain. What do we do in that moment? He, he goes down, but then that voice speaks to him. The voice that says, quit. Nobody would have blamed him. You know, come out. I mean, he tore, completely tore his hamstring. Everyone would have said, hey, we understand. You need to, it's all right, just quit. It's, everybody knows what you're going through. I would quit if I were you. I would give up. I know it's hard, man. Just, hey, it's too hard for you. Just go ahead. In that moment, all those thoughts were coming, and he heard something on the inside of him that said, finish the race. Finish. So he gets up in pain. Makes his way around the track. Some of you are stumbling through your life, and you think, it's a waste of effort. I'm telling you, as long as you're moving, you're making progress. As long as you're moving, you're making progress. You may be limping. You may not be in full stride right now. You may be in a season of your life where you got a little gimp in your giddy-up, but you just keep on going. Well, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. I know, just keep moving forward. Keep making effort because what will happen? Because he made a decision to get up and try. Out of the stands comes daddy. How many times in my life have I experienced that when I was in pain or hurting, but I made a choice to keep going, daddy ran into me. My heavenly father ran in and wrapped his arms around me and said, son, we're going to cross this finish line. We're going to make it through this tragedy. We're going to make it through this pain. We're going to make it through this difficulty. I got you, boy. I know you're hurting. I know you can't do it on your own, but Papa's here with you, and I'm going to help you get across the finish line. I'm going to help you get through this season. But notice how he was just sitting there in tears and crying. That's been me so many times where I said, God, I can't. God, I'm hurting. I can't do it anymore. He says, I know. I know you can't do it on your own, but that's why I'm with you. And notice as they're going, the officials come and try and discourage them. Hey, you need to stop. You need to quit. Notice the look on the daddy's face. Sons all crying. They can't do anything. Daddy. Daddy wasn't messing around. He did it twice. First guys didn't get the message. That's how you, you try to get that. 
This is what happens. This is how your heavenly father works with you. When the enemy tries to give thoughts to you to get off the racetrack, get out of life, quit, give up, you're done for. Your father will fight for you. Your father will stand in the gap for you. Jesus died on the cross so he could pray for you at the right hand of God every day and say, you can do it. Keep running. I know you're hurting. I know you're limping, but you've got to have some endurance. You've got to finish the race. We're in one of these stages on a regular basis in different areas of our life. We're either entering into something, we gotta know our goal, we gotta know what we're after, we gotta know our cause, our purpose. But then after we know that, we gotta have some endurance. Everybody's hyped up to start. But some people get gassed out in the first few hundred meters and all of a sudden they're done. They gotta have some endurance. Living for Jesus is not something you do on a short-term basis. You gotta be in it for the long haul. But I promise you, you won't do it alone. So if you're in this place today of endurance and you're dealing with pain, I want you to see your heavenly father running up beside you, wrapping his arm around you, say, come on, we're going to finish this race. You're going to finish. If I have to carry you across this finish line, you're going you're to finish this race. This is what God's saying to you. You're going to end what God started. He started a great thing in your life, and today he's encouraging you to finish would you just bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray. Well, you're watching online in the auditorium or in the overflow room, I want you to lean into the voice of God right now. And I want you to know that he loves you unconditionally. He wants you to finish. So I want you to pray. And I want you just to ask God, how can I keep going? How can I not quit? I Show me what I need to do to be a great finisher. I want to pray a prayer over you that are watching here in the auditorium or the overflow room. And you say, Chad, that's me. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to throw in the towel. But today, God's going to give you the endurance you need to finish your race. You're ready to quit on your situation ready to pack your bags just like Tommy was but, but just like God turned something around for the Millers miraculously he can turn it around for you 